Welcome to Connect Church. We're a new church in the East Windsor Heightstown area, and we're a church that is looking to connect to Jesus and community. We're so glad you've joined us. Good morning, better yet, good afternoon, whatever time you're watching this. My name is Chris. If you're watching at home, please get comfortable. Um, a little side note, this is my first time preaching, so please don't be too harsh on me. Uh, today we'll be going through John 15. Here Jesus is addressing his 11 closest friends. If you say, oh, doesn't Jesus have 12 closest friends? Well, at this time, Judah has has begun to betray Jesus. He had called the Roman, the Roman security on to point out Jesus. So he's at this moment not in the room because Jesus knows he's the one that's going to betray him. So he's not here at this moment. And so therefore he's addressing his 11 closest friends that remain. And he's talking about going through John 15. Um, we'll be breaking up John 15 into three parts. Us to Jesus, us to others, and finally us to the world. Before we start, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this beautiful day or whatever day you are watching this. Lord, please be with us as we go through this sermon and guide me through so I can be able to preach and be able to preach your words. Amen. So. To begin, we're going to start with us to Jesus, and we're going to be going through John 15, 1, verse 1 to 11 in this series. This is the longest of any other topic because it's about us and Jesus. Um, so let's go ahead and read the first verses. Um, John 15, verse 1 to 3 states, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts, us, he cuts off every branches of mine that doesn't produce fruits, and prunes the branches that do not that do bear fruits so they will produce even more. If you have already been pruned and purified by the message, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. So here Jesus addressed himself as the true vine, his father and our father as the gardener and us as the branches that produce from his vine. In these three verses, Jesus saying that we are all linked in this big small world, that the links that connects him to the Lord our Father is also the lens that connects us to Him and the Father. For this this reason, this reminds me of the tree of life. Like when we start to break away from this tree, we start to crumble and die. Just as a leaf breaks away from a tree, it starts to deform. Like it doesn't, it's not getting nutrients that is being produced from the tree. Carbon from the tree itself, like water goes on the tree. The tree produces it through the leaves and give it life, and just. As when the tree, when the, when the leaves falls on the ground, you see it to crumble up because it doesn't have that source of life coming into it, so it's going to die. So here we said our father, when he said our father cuts us every branch that doesn't produce fruits, it doesn't really mean like actual cut off. Because remember what I said, it branches, a tree and a vine needs a fruit and the leaves and all that to stay healthy. So, Jesus, so God here doesn't really cut off thing, and this is... This was amazing when I actually first read it, and I was like, oh, wow, I caught up, and then I would dig more into it. It was like, no, no, he doesn't mean like, oh, he's going to cast it away. He means like lift up high because um, ancient times, they use another word. I don't remember the word, but like they use another word to, to define this meaning of caught up, which means to lift high, just like I say. They, they use the example of like a gardener and a grapevine. When a grape lands on the ground, he comes back and like use something to hook it back on the tree so that way it's getting more sunlight. And that's the only so to you know lift it up and say like hey, 
I noticed you've been down lately. Here's a little song that I'm gonna lift you high so that you're able to get that sunlight you need to grow and produce. I'm not gonna cast you away like you're nothing because I need you just like you need me. So I'm gonna lift you high until you're well, until you're able to produce for yourself, you're able to hang up there by yourself. So I find that to be amazing in a sense, like, because as we humans, we're so used to saying, like, if somebody's, in, if somebody's dragging us down or it's not being good for us, cut them off, let them go. That's God's plan. God wants you to call up all those that's evil, all those that sin. But we see here, God is like, God and Jesus saying, like, no, we don't do that. We don't cast our brothers and sisters to the side. Instead, we lift them high. So that way, they can able to be with us for eternity and not just cast away, like, um, saying status to do, like, hey, somebody isn't doing good for you, cast them away, cast them God, God doesn't like that, he doesn't want that, he wants us to be all linked together. If a brother is struggling, lift him up high. If a sister is struggling, lift him up high. Do not shame them, do not cast them out, because that's not his way. We're seeing here that, and he's thinking, if you're thinking, hey, why is it that God's always doing good for the bad ones? Like, how about me? But you see here when God said, when Jesus said, the branches that that produce fruits and prunes. So here God saying like, I know you're good, so therefore I'm gonna bless you eternally. Like I, you remember Abraham and his blessing. God said you're gonna be the father of many nations. So we so this is what I'm saying when I said like, just because you're good doesn't mean God is not paying attention to you. He just has plans for you. It may not be you, but it might be a generation down the line. Like so, the next session in Austin, Jesus again. Jesus says, we mean and me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severe from the vine, and you cannot be fruit, fruitful unless you, re you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And one who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and weathers. Such branches are gathered in a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love just as I obey my Father's commandment and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will be overflow. And that's from John 15, John 15, verse 4 to 11. We see it again, a lot of John 15 repeated stuff because I think God, Jesus did this intentionally to say, like, hey, to, to make sure his friends understood what he was trying to get at that with Jesus, anything can be done, anything is possible. But without Jesus, even the greatest of deed is nothing in his sense. That a branch cannot live without being linked to the vine. Like I was saying before, a tree and the leaves cannot live without the other. A leaf can be as beautiful as it is, but the moment it touches the ground and leaves the tree, it's going to weather and die. So you can be as glorified as you are, you can be as popular as you are, you can be as rich as you are, but the moment you separate from that tree, you will start to scribble, scribble and die away. Just as a leaf can, no matter how beautiful, no matter how great the fruit is, the moment it drops and leaves the tree, it begins to die. And Jesus said, if and but if it fruits and the leaf remain within the tree, we see that it's been full of life, it's forever to grow and still as beautiful as it is throughout the season, throughout the year. Which is why Jesus trying to say, like, if you abide in me, if you remain in me, if you remain connected to me, you will forever be blessed and your life will be filled with joy. 
on to the next session, um, Jesus, us to others. The second part of Jesus' advice is to love others and care for others. He said, this is my commitment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay one's life for one's friend. You are my friends. If you do what I command you, I will no longer call you slave because his master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. And that's from John 15, 12, John 15, verse 12 to 15. Jesus encouraged us to love others as if that, that might be your, your family, your friends, your neighbor, or even your enemy. Remember Jesus talking about love your enemy, love your enemy, love your neighbor, love your friends. All this is great in the sense that without love, this is pointless. You can't be saying, oh, you remember when I was saying before, when somebody falls, you want to lift them up high. You don't lift up somebody you hate high. You want to bring them low, which is why Jesus said love others. So that way, when they fall, you're able to keep them up high. Say, hey, I got you when you fall. But here's that sunlight. Here's that. Here's the, what you need to make sure you're back on track. Which is why Jesus said you got to make sure you're loving others and not just yourself. But doesn't God tell us to love others and and... Doesn't God tell us to love everybody? Because that's basically what he came out to do is saying, like, hey, love everybody and love not just yourself. Like, my, it's, do not hit hit the sin, but not the sinner. But you see, like, a lot of Christians usually hit the sinner more than the sin itself, which is crazy in this world. And that, and I also going out to say, like, hey, a lot of these people are preaching about sins and all that, but really, how many of them are really would die for this religion? We see around the world a lot of Christians are being killed just for saying, hey, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior. But like, here we are in the United States in many wars that I believe in Christianity that is free of religion, free to express religion, but yet we are all faking it just so we can go to church and put on this idea. But like, the thing is, you're only fooling yourself because like, your governor, your friends, your family, your parents, are not the one I choose if you go to heaven or not. God is. And he sees your heart better than anyone. So if you're not, if your heart is not there, he knows it. And you're only fooling yourself. Like DJ Cal once says, congrats, you play yourself. So if you're lying to yourself, you only play yourself, nobody else. If you're not being true to yourself, admit that, get help. Just don't lie to yourself because, or try to put on that show for others because you're only lying to yourself because God sees you for who you are. So just remember that. So we're going to the next verse, which is John 15, 16 and 17. He said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for and using my name, this is my commitment. Love each other, love each other. In these verses, Jesus is talking about choosing his friends, that they did not choose him because he's Jesus, because he's the chosen one, but yet he chose them out of a thousands of people saying, hey, I want you to come with me. And I think this, as a disciple hearing this, at this time, I probably think like, this got to be one of the most encouraging things. Like, this is God, this is God in human form telling me, hey, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Like, I, I, I picked you out of a, out of a needle stack. You, out of everybody else to be with me. And I feel like that's got to be the most encouraging thing is a person can hear saying like, like we're reading this right now, I'm saying like this is encouraging. Like imagine Jesus being right in front of you, telling like, "I pick you. You're here because I chose you." 
I didn't walk around. I didn't just walk and he said, oh, Jesus, can I come to you? No, I picked you. I was there at that moment when he saw me. So therefore, I picked you. And I said, and I was thinking like, we are chosen and that we are wanted by Jesus. And I think that's one of the greatest feelings in the world. And I love the idea of being chosen by God, by Jesus. And then saying being saved by um, God, by Jesus. Because safe implies that like, I'm safe and I have to stay away from danger. Meaning stay away from sinners, read my Bible, and, and pray to Jesus every night. But there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, honestly. But I think when I hear the word chosen, I mean, it's like, you're chosen to be on a team, you're chosen to be on a battlefield, and which is like Jesus telling you, hey, I chose you, now go out and find sinners. Make sure you are sitting with them, eating with them, drinking them, just like I did when I was here on earth. Not just go and hide just because I have saved you, but rather I have chosen you to fight this battle I can no longer fight here on earth. So be my warriors, be my soldiers, and go out and find these sinners and bring them my way so that I too can save and and say, hey, I have chosen you to be my war my warriors for the next battle. You do not close your eyes saying like I hear no evil, see no evil, but rather he's saying like open your eyes, open your ears, listen for those who are hurting and look for those who are who are hiding their pain and suffering and help them out. Like this generation is bipolar in how we want to be treated. We want everybody to mind our business but yet we cry when nobody's paying us no mind. We complain that no one's listening, but yet we cut off the ears of those that wants to listen. We complain we want people to open up with us, but yet we are quickly to judge them when they open up. And I think that's just a sad world to live in the sense like we're never truly expressing our feelings, but rather we're trying to stay in this little bubble of ours. But Jesus said like, hey, get out of the bubble, go find somebody that's been, that needs help. Because there's so many people around us you never know that's gone through some stuff. But because we're in our bubble, telling ourselves, mind our business. Jesus is not, is not your, is not my fight. But here, Jesus said, like, it is your fight. Step out of your bubble. Go find those that are hurting and bring them to me, so I too can save them, and call them my champions, my soldiers. Because that's all Jesus wants. We all want to be connected to this link of tree. Those people you're going out to fight off are spreading away from the tree. They're dying, and they don't know yet. It is our goal. Because we are soldiers of, of Jesus to go and find these people and bring them towards and bring them back to the tree of life. So that way we can all be connected once again. So for our last section, we're going to do us to the world. This last section of 15 is probably one of my favorite parts of the Bible. Because Jesus is talking about the hate we receive from this world. And that hate is because of him and not us. And we see here in John 15 verse 18 and 20 says, if the world hates you, remember that it has hated me first. The world could love you as one of its own if you belong to it. So I'm just going to start with it. That's probably one of the best lines in the series where it's like, the world will love you as if you, the world will love you if, if you're one of its own. But because you're no longer a part of the world, it chose to hate you. And I think that's incredible. Like, we're no longer a part of this world, which is why we're hated. And I think that goes into the human mindset. Like, we humans, we fear and judge people that's not, that doesn't look like us, that doesn't talk like us. And the fact that Jesus said, like, the reason why they hate you and see you, like, as a monster is because you're not of this world. I chose you and I took you out of this world because it's sinful, because it's hate. Which is why they don't love you like, like they should. 
which is why you're not being praised for being good and all that because they don't want you in this world. They don't see you as one of them. And I think that's incredible, man. And then he goes on, do you remember what I told you? A slave is not gooder than his master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you too. And if they have listened to me, they will listen to you. Um, like I said before, humans tend to hate and fear what they don't understand. And which is why Jesus gets to here, like, don't be, don't, I understand you're being hated on and all that, but that's normal because that's how, that's humans, that's who we are. They, they don't understand where you're coming from. Because I too, when I, Jesus said, I too, when I came here, they did not understand I was the child of God. I was the son. I was human image of God. And they hated me for all that I've done. I have not killed nobody. I've not hurt nobody. All I did was perform a miracle for those suffering. But yet, they saw that as a, they saw fear in that as a way to destroy that sin. But Jesus here was saying like, it's okay, I will take the blame. It is my fault. Because if if they did not see me as the, as the son of God, they probably won't see as that. Because a lot of people around here have been taking false images of God. And because they don't know God, they don't know me. We go on to read John 15, verse 21 to 27. This is the end, by the way. They will do all this to you because of me. For they have rejected the one who sent me, a.k.a. God. They rejected God and also by rejecting him, they're also rejecting God. And by rejecting God, they're rejecting him. So we see this we see this link again where it's like God saying like, if you don't like me, you don't like God. If you like me, you like God. And the same as us too, God saying like, if they don't like you, they don't like me. If they don't like me, they're not going to like you. And he goes on saying, they will not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Anyone who hates me also hates my father, like I said before. If I haven't done such miraculous signs among them that no one else could do, they will not be guilty. But as I but as it is, they have seen everything I have done, yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause, but I will send you the spirit of the truth. You will come to you. He will come to you from my from the Father and will testify all about me. And you will also testify about me because you have been with me from the beginning of my ministry. And that's from John 15, verse 21 to 27. Jesus mentioned that, hey, you guys are going to die. He's just being screwed up, honest with them. And it was true because, as we know, John was the only one to survive. Everybody else was prosecuted later on. And... Jesus was just being screwed up. I was like, hey, they persecuted me too, so they're gonna kill you. And we we noticed a little fun fact really. Um, in the 20th century, a lot of Christians were persecuted in the name of Jesus than any other centuries in the world. And that was just last century, like 1990s, 1999. Like it's crazy to think about. And I I'm scared to see what the number is gonna be like when this century is over, because we're just we're barely even in the century. You think about all that's going on in the world. Like it, like I said, if you don't know what's going on, what is because you're staying in your bubble. Like, put on the news, put on the BBC news, not CNN, not these American news channels, but like really see what's happening around the world. In China, most of these second world countries that is being prosecuted for just saying, I have chosen to follow God, I have chosen to be his soldier. They're being prosecuted for no reason, just for following what the truth feels. And that's, that's very bad. And us Christians being living in this country, the way it's like, we just sit to live in our bubbles and like, oh, 
a lot of people is converting from Christianity because the church is this, the church is that. But like, if we look at if we look at the outside world, a lot of people are converting because Jesus is saving them in their in their part of the world. But just because we hear Americans saying like, oh, a lot of a lot of Christians are converting or saying I'm no longer a believer, doesn't mean God is not working. God's working somewhere else. We we should the ones should also be working somewhere else. I understand we gotta help our people here too, but like there are many of his people dying just saying, Hey, I have chosen to follow God. They're being killed horribly just for saying, God is my Lord and Savior. And that's I find that to be ridiculous, man. Jesus like I said, Jesus came down here. Jesus came down here to speak about the sins that committed, but yet they refused to listen. Prior to Jesus coming down, he was like before I came down here, these people was innocent of their sins because they do because they did not know of what they were doing. But I have came here in God's image and said, "Hey, you are sinning. I need you to stop and follow God's way." And they refused to listen. And we we'll see here that now they have learned and seen the miracle he firsthand. They have no excuse of sinning. They have seen that God is that Jesus is God. God's image here on earth. They have seen his miracles. He have healed the blind, healed the sick, but yet they chose to, to not listen and kill him at the end. And to be fully connected to the truth, we have to remove sins from our life. It is a hard thing to do because I feel like the idea of sinning is kind of programmed within us. And the example I like to use is like when you first lie, who taught you the lie? It was a human instant, right? When you were a kid, that asked you, did you eat the cookie? Like, no, I did not eat the cookie. Like, maybe you saw your sibling lie before, but most chance if you're the first child, you kind of like pick up on that lie. You start to be like, no, I did not eat the cookie. Like, because that's human instinct. We are forever being sinful. But like the idea of when we came to know God, I mean, God and Jesus, we got to understand like the difference in these sins that our culture is telling us is not a sin, but really it is. And the funny thing is about sin is like, in our human culture is always changing like sin here could be what we consider sin here elsewhere could be considered not a sin we have to be we have to move sins from our life completely there's no good or bad sin they're all equal in his eyes you sin you sin a sinner will sin and that's what he's trying to come back to another example i like to use is the idea of um those addicted to drugs and alcohol like when you hear a drug addict be like, at least I'm not addicted to alcohol. And then you see a drug dealer, you see alcohol saying like, at least I'm not addicted to drugs, but like really, you're both addicted. And that is the sin. Rather it's alcohol, porn, whatever. And addiction is an addiction. We gotta understand that that's something we have to move out of our life to really be close to God. But society, like I said before, has taken this time to say like, hey, your sin is not your sin is worse than my sin and my sin is not as worse as yours like but really it's that's not the case a sin is a sin we have to remove these sins from our life to be ever to be connected to the tree so thank you for coming today i hope you have a wonderful day god bless you thank you for joining us today we hope this encourages you to take your next steps in your faith journey with God. You can check us out more on connectchurchnj.com. Have a great day.